Thank you for tuning in to the Caleb Hires podcast. This podcast exists to empower the worshipers of God to believe and express the finished work of Christ. For more great content like this, head to calebhires.com or check out The Resting Place at theRestingPlaceTampa.com. You're about to hear a clip from a recent identity teaching on Romans 6, chapter 6. Enjoy. It all starts with knowing who you are in Jesus. If you don't know who you are, you won't know what to do. And in fact, a lot of Christians are trying to ask God, what do I do? What do I do? And they're getting frustrated because all he's telling them is who they are. And they want a different answer. They want, A, tell me, what's the plan, God? What's the plan? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And God's saying, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. It's not about what you do. It's about who I made you to be. Because who we are is not dependent on what we do. That is actually a very absolutely true statement, and I'm right about that. Who we are is not dependent on what we do. Actions only speak louder than words unless God is talking. (laughs) You've heard actions speak louder than words? Whose words are you talking about? (laughs) If your actions speak louder than His word, you've got a whole other issue going on. Okay? The Psalms actually say that he's elevated above all things his word and his name. So your experience and actions are somewhere beneath his word and his name. Am I right about that? Yes, I am. If your actions determine your identity, then Johnny Depp is a pirate. I mean, a real rum-drinking, raping-pillaging pirate, Johnny Depp. Yep. That guy acts just like a pirate. Gets paid good money to do it, too, you know. He's done it multiple times. Like three too many times, If by my count, all the sequels, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? If your actions determine your identity, meaning if what you do determines what's inside of you and who you are from the core, then Johnny Depp is a real pirate. And I say that not to just to be funny, but to point out the ridiculous nature of that thought. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So who do you think you are? That's the question. That's exactly what I want to answer tonight. Who do you think you are? Come on, somebody said it. I like it. Here's the deal. I want to talk about just... I'm Well, I, <laughs> I was about to make a joke. <laughs> I was going to say I just want to talk about one verse. That would have been a joke. That was a joke. I don't... That would be impossible. I'm, I am a Bible junkie, guys. I have 36 paper translations, different translations. I, I am just, I love this book. I, I grew up loving it, you know. And so I'm not actually hating on my background, Southern Baptist. Anyone grow up Southern Baptist? Yeah, come on. I'm not upset at my background. I actually cherish it because they taught me the Word, man. They taught me how to read it. They taught me how to study it. They just didn't really, you know, apply it all. And that's okay. We all see in part, meaning we all have a part and need each other. We need the bread and the wine. A lot of churches either stick with one or the other. They got a whole bunch of wine, 
with very little bread or a whole bunch of bread with very little wine. You know what I'm saying? And you, this will help you in your spiritual walk. You need a healthy dose of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. You need a balanced diet. Otherwise, you're going to be in one way or another spiritually hangry. You are. But the bride of Christ needs to be fat and happy. I'm just telling you, all right? She needs to have some love handles. <laughs> Not trying to be weird. I'm just trying to make it stick, all right? <laughs> we need to let love handle us. So you need to eat well and you need to drink well. I grew up in a place, all we did was eat the word. All we did was eat the bread. But we were really, really crabby. It wasn't very much joy. Had spiritual indigestion. All right. We needed a movement, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you're, now, a few of you are getting it now. <laughs> I'm just letting it roll through the room again. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got baptized in the Holy Ghost you know what I'm saying the Holy Ghost I don't know, I like Holy Ghost better than Holy Spirit it just feels more I don't know I want to like run around the room a little bit I got baptized in the Holy Ghost only in 2014 y'all just in 2014 yeah I was a Southern Baptist pastor of a 115 year old church up until 2014, December of 2014. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in July 2014. They kept me for another six months. I don't know how. I actually was the one who left. It was a miracle. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, because I'm like singing in, in tongues off the microphone, you know, and then because I was the worship pastor. Anyway, um, don't get distracted. Hopefully this is helping you. Um, yeah. Good. So, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and then I started running all these charismatic circles, the charismania. Hello? Anybody? You know, the shofar blowing, crazy shaking and rolling, and I was the one shaking and rolling. I didn't even know. I didn't even have a good example. It wasn't suggesting because I didn't grow up around. I was just getting whacked with the power of God and rolling on the ground. I've been to Israel four times. One time in the garden, at the garden tomb where Jesus resurrected, I got slammed with like a 100-pound blanket. Two grown men tried to carry me out. They barely could. I'm 115 pounds soaking wet. These two grown men, one's an Olympic athlete, athlete by the way. His name's Kevin, good friend of mine. They could barely carry me. The kabod of God slammed me in that garden. That's the weighty glory. I couldn't get up. They could barely pick me up. And I was trying to help them. Jamadi was there. My wife was there. They had to drag me out, right? They drug me out of that, that garden tomb. It was crazy. Anyway, I started getting in there, and then I realized, hey, um, y'all don't really read your Bibles that often. I started looking at the comparison, you know, from where I grew up, all crabby and indigestion, you know, no, no movement of God at all. And then I looked at them, and I was like, oh, y'all's sermons don't even have any scripture. All I'm hearing is great experiences that are biblical because I know the Bible. Those are biblical things, but you're not teaching the Bible. And so those people just, they just drink wine and they don't have any bread. They can't walk very straight, you know. <laughs> Certainly don't put them behind the wheel of a car, all right. <laughs> so you and I need a healthy diet. No. The bread and the wine. You should read the, you know, Smith Wigglesworth said it this way. Some people, you like Wigglesworth? All right. 
I'm finding I'm finding the thing, the communication thing, yeah. He said, some people read their Bible in Hebrew, some people read their Bible in Greek. I read my Bible in the Holy Ghost. That's what you need to do. <laughs> you need to pray in tongues as often as possible. If you don't have the gift of tongues, ask for it. Don't force it. Don't strive for it. Ask. It's a gift just like all the other gifts. Ask and you shall receive. Yeah. All right? So, your identity in Christ, who you think you are, is the most pivotal thing you could understand in your, in your life with Jesus. If you get this one thing, everything else will fit into place, I promise you. We spend nine months teaching students twice a week this, this concept right here, this one concept. And I'm gonna, we're going to go to Romans chapter 6, verse 6. You can turn there. This is the sixth book of the New Testament. Sixth chapter, sixth verse. Does anyone know what the number six means in Bible numerology? What does it represent? The number of man, right? Good answer. I say that all the time. People say the number of the beast. Nope. It's the number of man. 666, man, oh man, oh man. <laughs> and man not being men, being people, mankind, the Adam life. Man apart from God. Women apart from God. Come on. I'd love to break it to you just real quick. This is just a little soapbox. I'm going to get on and off real quick. The future is not female. It's male and female. The future is God-likeness on the earth. And you can't have God-likeness without male and female operating in covenant. Therefore, He made them in His image. Male and female, He created them. In His image and likeness. Okay? And what happens is, when Adam falls, you might have heard that we lost the image of God. We actually still, you still bear the, like, the image of God. You lost His likeness in the fall. Because everyone, I can look at someone who doesn't know Jesus, someone who does know Jesus, and they still bear the attributes. Romans chapter 1, I don't remember the other the verse marking, but in Romans chapter 1 somewhere, you can go find it, uh, it says that God's divine attributes, name, na namely His nature, is revealed in what He has made. Meaning, you want to know what God looks like? Look in the mirror. Yeah. Alright? You got two eyes in front of your head because you need people. God Himself is a community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They watch each other's blind spots, if I could say it that way. You're only supposed to go forward. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. You're not supposed to move backward. No one who puts his hands on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You're supposed to advance. Advance. There's no back to a breastplate in the full armor of God. Your back is exposed. You're supposed to advance. You're built to advance. Okay? So, God's divine nature and attributes are seen in what He has made. So, we can't even see God on the earth until we see men and women operating in love. Operating in God-likeness. In the garden, Adam and Eve were God-like and very good. And then Adam sinned. Come on. I... My wife and I were talking about this on the way here. Eve was deceived. Adam disobeyed. Yes. We're not under the, the sin of Eve. The world is not under the sin of Eve. It's Romans chapter 5 if you want to read it. The world is under the sin of Adam because Eve was tricked. Adam chose. Sin is willful disobedience. 
sin is missing the mark. Meaning, if that window is the mark, it's not I'm trying to hit it and I fall short of it. No, it's there's the mark. I'm going to shoot this way. Boom. There's the mark. I know what it is. I'm shooting down here. And therefore, I fell short of the glory of God. I missed the mark on purpose. That's what the verb tense of sin is. And that's what most, most people don't even have that understanding. They think that if, you're, if you sin, it's you tried to do the right thing and it just fell short. That's not what sin is. It's, there's the right thing, here's what I'm going to do. Bang. That's to miss the mark and fall short of the glory of God. But that's not the only thing that sin is. Sin is not just something you do. It's an entity that wants to control you. Sin is an entity that wants to control you. I'm going to say it really clear because we're all adults. Sin is an entity, and this might hit a nerve with you, and I, I don't want to bring up any past trauma, but sin is an entity that wants to pimp you out. Sin is the original human trafficker. Sin trafficked Eve in the garden. Tricked her, deceived her, took her captive. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans 7, that I am of the flesh sold under sin. That's right in the middle of him saying, I'm set free from sin, dead to sin, no longer enslaved to sin. Sin will have no dominion over me. I'm a slave to righteousness. And then under the law, I was sold to sin. Sin, the word sold under Romans 7 verse, 10, 7 verse 14 is trafficked. Trafficked by sin. The law came because without the law, sin hides dormant, right? When there's no rules to break, you can't willfully break the rules. Come on. Yeah. So when you hear the rules and then you break them, that's sinning, verb tense, right? So Paul is exposing in Romans 7 that there's an entity called sin. That when the law came, he came to me and said, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. That's bad for you. That's trying to confine you. That's trying to box you in. Same thing happened. Well, not the same thing, but uh, God exposes this in Genesis when he talks to Cain and he says, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must have mastery over it. God personified sin in the very first book of the Bible. Sin is a person. Sin is a place. Sin is a thing. How can I say that? Because it's used 17 times in Romans 6 alone, the word sin. 16 times it is a noun. Only once it's a verb. We're all focused on what trying not to sin, trying to be sinless, trying to do the right thing. But if you tonight, you hear this one, one thing right here, that sin is not just something you do, it's an entity that's trying to control you, you get free right now. I'll tell you right now. You will get free right now because you're the one in control of you. You've been give, given the spirit of self-control. You are responsible. You are able to respond to the will of God in your life. You are a response. Somebody's going to get this. You're responsible. You're able to respond. When you're in the world trafficked by sin, you were not able to respond. But Jesus came and died and rose again to deliver you from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. He delivered you from the clutch of the entity of sin and put you in the grip of the Son. He gave you grace to become just like Himself. That's the gospel. You are not trying to get holier in this program. 
Let, I'll say it this way flat out. You're not getting holier. Amen. <laughs> You're getting a revelation of Christ's holiness in you. The holiness of God is being unveiled before your eyes. And when we see Him, we'll be like Him. As we behold Him in a mirror, we're transformed into the same image. 2 Corinthians 3. I know your destiny, bro. It's to look just like Jesus. And guess what? You have very little to do with it. Amen. Here's what you have to do with looking like Jesus. You say yes. Yes, Lord. You are God. You are my destiny. That's Romans 8.29 if you want scripture. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Those he glorified, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. 1 John 4.17 says, As he is, so also are we in this world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Because you might not believe me, but you'll believe your Bible. All right? It says, On the day of judgment, we'll have confidence. Because as he is, so also are we in, help me, this world. Say, this world. That means you're supposed to look just like Jesus right now. You're not being sanctified. You're getting a revelation of your sanctification. Come on. Hebrews 10.14 is the one that says those who are being sanctified. But Hebrews 10.10, which is, help me, before or after 14? 10, before or after? Before. Okay, just making sure I've got this right. Hebrews 10.10 says, by that one sacrifice of Jesus, we have been sanctified. Past tense. And then in verse 14 it says, he is making perfect those who are being sanctified. So that can't mean you haven't been sanctified yet because he just said you have been. Or, sorry. Well, okay. I'm checking with the Holy Ghost real quick. Not on what I just said about what I want to say. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I have a green light. So, this is Caleb's opinion. Say Caleb's opinion. <laughs> this is how I get, this is how I'm safe. They don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but I think I know. <clears throat> and it wasn't a man. I think it was Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila hung out with guess who? Paul. Tent makers with Paul. Priscilla was a Jew. Can't prove it. Just my opinion. So I said he in the Hebrew, but I'm stopping myself and said whoever wrote Hebrews, Priscilla, said we have been sanctified. You know, Hebrews is like really just Paul's letters except a lot longer, more words, more grandiose, more... Hey, listen. <laughs> that took a minute. That took a minute. Like this room. There's one side of the room that's a lot of words. Another side of the room that's a very few words. Who do you think wrote the book of Hebrew? A woman. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Detail after detail after explanation after metaphor after da 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 da. <laughs> All right, man, I gotta focus. So it says you have been sanctified, Hebrews 10, 10. Those who are being sanctified. So that must mean that there are people coming into the kingdom as we speak, being sanctified. Not you being sanctified. You were sanctified in Christ. This is a big theological position that you can walk away and disagree with. It doesn't matter. I'm okay. I'm okay. You can disagree with me. But Hebrews 10.10 10 says you've been sanctified. It's past tense. 1 Corinthians 6. 
17 says, Anyone who belongs to the Lord is one spirit with Him. And right before that, it says, You have been justified. You have been sanctified. So I got two witnesses, y'all. I'm just saying. All right. Let every matter be established on the matter of two or three witnesses, right? This is what I'm talking about. That's what I was taught in my church growing up. You know, you can't just take one piece of scripture and build something off it. You got to have multiple places. You got to have context. You got to have understanding of the whole sweep of scripture. Okay, so Romans 6, verse 6, sixth book of the New Testament, says something very interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be careful with the whole Mark of the Beast thing. We're going to be careful with that. This is what it says. Are you there? Because yes. you need to highlight it, underline it, whatever. If you, don't, if you don't mind writing in your Bible. Some people can't do that. I respect that, whatever. But if you can, come on. You know that this is not the Word of God. The Word of God is a person. Yes. Uh, Amen. I'm trying to bother you a little bit. Here he is, verse 6. We know... I'm reading in the ESV. We know. Who's we, I wonder? I hope it's us. <laughs> the King James says, this we know. Anyone have a King James? Yeah. This we know. This. What is this? We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. This we know. I wonder if we really know it. <laughs> that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we'd no longer be enslaved to sin. I don't know about you, but my church growing up told me I would sin nine times before 9 a.m. Monday morning. Literally, those words were spoken to me, man. As a teenager, yeah, well, you're going to send nine times for 9 a.m. Thought, word, and deed, brother. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even wake up till 8. Like, what the? <laughs> what the heck, man? Seems impossible. And then they would say things, well, Paul struggled with a sin nature. Look at Romans 7. I call that licking the loaf. Okay, that's taking the word of God and going lick and getting no nutrients from it because you just took one little moment, one little piece of scripture. You're supposed to eat the scroll. You need to be a scroll muncher. You take the whole thing and just the whole thing. Okay, we can't take one verse, hold it up and say, see, see. If I wrote you a letter, which the book of Romans is a letter, say a letter. A letter. If I wrote you a letter, you went to the third paragraph, read the third sentence and closed the letter, would you know what I said in that letter? No. We do that with scripture all the time. Our verse of the day. It's dangerous stuff. If it doesn't invite you into the context, if it doesn't invite you into digging further, it's more like a self-help book than the Holy Scriptures in that way, okay? So I think we should investigate the Holy Scriptures and give it the time of day it deserves. How many of you know this is the original FaceTime right here? This is the original FaceTime. <laughs> All right.